0: They've kind of just been under the radar and it's been a a place where, you know, both above ground and underground, they've been able to, the Luciferians have been able to set up this network where, you know, their ports are, are not really monitored. So makes it easy to bring mass amount of children in from other countries even and use it like a you know, a crossroads where you really got to think expansive here. So when we're talking headquarters, their headquarters are these departments, which are run through, you know, the Masons, the Kabbalah, the Jesuit Catholics, the Mormons and the Satanists. There are ancient scrolls that talk about this time in this, this season of Jupiter and Saturn um, being brought together you know, ultimately the agenda is, is that the enemy has been waiting for this time and season.
1: If you have not been looking at C60 as a means to significantly improve your health and your immunities, you should be. Here's why. First, a strong and healthy immune system is your body's first defense. And for those with a strong immune system, your body will adequately fight illnesses without medical intervention. Second, C60 is safe. As long as you're taking a high quality C60 with no added fillers or solvents. Third, C60 is the best means of removing free radicals from your body that exist. It's at least 200 times better at this function than vitamin C and any other antioxidant. This is the magic. When you free up your body's resources from fighting free radicals, they then can focus their attention on healing. Every person has different needs, but the magic begins when your body can start to heal. So now it becomes clear, you need the best free radical fighter that exists, and that is C60 with black seed oil and curcumin. Go to sarahwessell.com shop and learn more about why this formula is so powerful. Also available by diffuser with ultra ultra refined C60 oil to safely get directly into your lungs. It's also the best way to help your family pets by just being in the same room. Be sure to read the research and of course, use the current coupons to save money when you buy. Patrons also receive a 10% discount. You can find that code at patreon.com slash Remember, keeping you and your family safe is the most important thing you can do. Well, to me, if the, the little ones that have nothing, to me, they're all equal. I, I mean, I, there's no question. I don't care what, how much money they have or what, it doesn't even enter my mind for a split second. They're all equal and in the world, they have nothing. But to me, they're everything. And that's what we all have to see is every little child. And, and you're, you're right with the elderly. I couldn't have been more angry when I saw the elder, elderly dying, especially Minnesota, because we had the highest percentage of people in the country dying of, um, in the nursing homes from COVID. I was beside myself calling newspapers, doing whatever I could, because I thought maybe I could make a difference. And in the end, I don't know if I did, but uh, it was just, I was beside myself in March even maybe earlier when I started realizing this was happening so yeah everybody has value Mm -hmm. um so I that's why when the people are fighting this and you know I hear um, a lot of whistleblowers right now are being targeted um this is this is something that people don't you know realize all of us that are going out in the public and fighting this are are um this isn't the safest profession right now and I am not stopping because of that but I've heard. there's been a lot of people that have been targeted, you know, poisoned this week. I have another one who was my contact for the reports for the the Trump campaign for all the fraud. His whole family was targeted. Um, uh, You know, one of them died, another one is in, three other ones are in the hospital. I'm telling you, this is very serious. Um, Kevin Annette was just targeted again. He's constantly targeted. This time I think he might have a serious injury that will stay with him the rest of his life. And um, you were targeted this way, but you're always targeted. And it's not funny, but <laughs> it's, it, I mean, it's real. And and the thing is, is that I'm not stopping. I mean, think of what these little these little ones are dealing with. I mean, for God's sake, we, we can't risk stuff for them. What can we risk stuff for? I mean, and the whole fight of this country is to, is to, fight these people off this is a foundational thing we got to get this country back and i know that this country's set up as a corporation so we got to get this country turned around and set up properly so right. that we can put an end to this crap i mean my god what the heck i mean as adults and normal functioning human beings we got to end this
0: i agree you know and i and i love that you use the word normal functioning human beings
1: <laughs> that's <laughs> it's cool. true
0: that is what we are. And, you know, so many people want to label us or make it look like we're the crazy loony boot, you know, looney tune people coming out of the woodwork. But the truth is that, you know, we're those who are in the trenches. We are fighting the fight and, you know, we are winning. We, and we're doing it not just for ourselves, not just for our children. We're doing it for all children, all humans. And, um, you know, I I get really mad with people who, you know, kind of flaunt that term global citizen or, you know, and there's a forced compliance with it. Um, That probably makes me the angriest, you know, I dealt with it so much as a child. The, The enemy has his way of forcing people's will. And that's what we see happening, you know, that it's like, you know we thought the first round was bad you know where where it was like you'd get a little shame if you went into a store and you didn't have a mask people would give you looks or some some of my friends you know literally people would come up and would start screaming and yelling i had that or we've had you know people would strike out get violent but this next round, it gets worse. You know, there's different states that have already started mandating, I know. Um, you know, that if you are not wearing a mask, I mean, scary things like they have, you know, officers who are grabbing people by the throat or the, you know, applying pressure to the jugular, things like that. Um, you know, and, and so this is forced compliance. This is what I grew up with as a child. Um, and it only will get worse.
1: Well, and the crazy part is that I'm trying to uh, appeal to people's common sense. Why would a child need to wear a mask when they are aren't at risk for COVID? And I know they they say this because they want to protect the elderly, but wait a minute here. If, if a child has a cold <laughs> or has yeah, if a child has a cold or have allergies, a lot of children are developing pneumonia. And pneumonia and it's happening in large numbers. And right. And pneumonia is a number one killer of children. So common sense is just all over the place on this, that we are not being smart here. And I just want to appeal to their common sense. It's hard for people because the authorities are telling them this. And it's like, your parents are telling you this. I got to listen to my parents. And they don't realize that the authorities are not their friends.
0: Right. And, And this is the same stuff. Nothing is new under the sun. Um, this is the same stuff that was happening through the 1940s, um, you know, where they were forcing people to wear masks, they got pneumonia, they got bacterial lung infections, and that's what took them out. So again, you know, the compliance is, is not for our health. It's not for our benefit. And it is a way of, of depopulating, um, you know, and they're actually getting you to willingly willingly give up your life in this. People have to think about that, that, you know, by putting on that mask and complying, you know, they know it's not good for you. They know what the long-term effect is going to be. And you're willingly submitting to that, Um, you know, by making your children, your grandparents wear these masks, you literally are willingly submitting to this, um, to have your life taken against your will
1: or be in a much riskier situation than COVID ever is. Right. Yeah. It's just common sense people. Okay. The people listening to this are on board. They all know that and they're just as frustrated as we are by it. I want to talk and this thing, this amazing show with a really cool concept. Some of this won't be cool because we're going to talk about what's really happening, but I want to talk about the underground, um, hidden libraries and what's in them. Um, can you talk about where these libraries are? I know everybody has heard about the big library underneath the Vatican, but what is underneath? There's one underneath Notre Dame, there's one elsewhere. Where are these libraries and what are in them?
0: Yeah, um, the other big, so the big three would be that I was aware of were at the Vatican, and then you've got Notre Dame, and you've got um, the one in, in Germany. Um, It's in between um, Stein and another castle um, under some Masonic lodges. And then you've got, um, there's a big one that is under a monastery in uh, Moscow, Russia. Um, Those were the major ones. And they hold all of the ancient books and writings. So things that have been hidden from the public, you know, when I went through seminary, we had learned that, like, you know, about copies of books. So, you know, people are aware of, or we should say books or scrolls or papayas, ancient writings. Um, A lot of people were aware of, you know, the Dead Sea Scrolls and when those were found and, and things like that. But you've got all of these other scrolls and books that have been hidden that they have not released to the public. Um, You know, originally books like the Book of Enoch, um, the Grimoires, the um, different satanic or occultic knowledge books or black magic books were also incorporated into those. Um, So all of these are down in these libraries and um, there's really only a very few people Um, you know, I grew up knowing them as scribes or, uh, curators. Um, these were the people who were in charge of, of those libraries. Usually there's an above ground library nearby or a type of museum. Um, but they guard these books and, um, hardly anybody is ever allowed to see them. Um, there is also one, um, in the, Chicago area. I'll just say that. So I was privy to some of those books for some of the studies or the rituals that I had to do. Um, they would hide them in through the Catholic churches. Um, the Catholic secretaries are, are very skilled individuals. Um, <laughs> I, I mean, I don't even know how to describe some of these women, but um, you know, they're very good at you know, taking care of these books and transporting them, storing them away, getting them from point A to point B and then back again, Um, you know, so it's interesting. It's something that's always interested me. Um, I don't think about it a lot or talk about it a lot, but I did, um, you know, it's like, I'll think about them when, especially like when I saw the fire at Notre Dame, I was just like, Oh dang, like that, you know, it's just weird to think that one of the questions was, did the good guys target and burn down Notre Dame, or did, you know, the black hats do that? And my thought was, well, why would the black hats burn that particular cathedral? One, because it does have one of the largest underground satanic libraries, so, you know, I was just like, I couldn't imagine that they would burn that. But there was construction, other things going on there. So it's possible that they moved all of those things out of there before they did that. Um,
1: well, what's in there? I mean, you know, when there's a famous burning of the Alexandria Library. Now, does it have all the books that was in the Library of Alexandria. Well,
0: that's something I question. I think that they moved those to the Vatican, which is more secure. Um, But I don't believe that all those books burned. I think that they move them so that if somebody discovers them, they move them.
1: So do you think they moved them and burned the library just to make it look like they're all gone? I do.
0: I think that they wanted people to think they were all gone.
1: And now in these libraries, what would we learn if if human beings, the, like we said before, the normal human beings, if we actually got to learn, would we learn about our true history? We would. Yeah. And is that what they're hiding? It, it would be pretty scary. A lot of that is
0: there's, you know, there's ancient writings about the Nephilim and the giants and their, you know, their time on earth. Um, ruling there's um you know books about the underground cities um so you know things that we grew up like we've heard tales of some of these places you know like uh Jewel Varnes wrote about the center of the earth um then you had other books like uh you know about atlantis you know cities hidden under the ocean um you know places about aztec Civilizations hidden underground or in the middle of the earth, or cities that were built in the skies or the clouds. Um, so some of these books give you know details or locations or exact testimonies of these places. Um, you know, that's where the stories and the myths come from, they're not just made up. Um, you know, there are cities that exists like that, or even things that you can only access through the spirit world. And those experiences are documented. Um, You get a lot more of, you know, like the book of Enoch starts to chronicle um, the connection between the fallen angels and humans. Um, so some of these books outline more of that information about these fallen angels and it's almost like they're chronicles of of their reign on earth you know what they've done, which battles they've been involved in um, what cities they oversee, who their commander demons are underneath them, who's in their armies so there's chronicles of these, Um, demonic spirits or I call them the demon generals battles um, that are in some of these libraries. And they don't want us to see them because why? Because they don't want us to think about that world that, you know, the majority of people, you know, because you can't physically see with your physical eyes, these demonic generals, a lot of people don't believe they're real or exist. So, um, you know, they don't want to see that the real force behind some of these other nations' armies is really demonic. They want to hide that from people so that they can keep you under oppression. Um, Ignorance, yeah. You know, and when you're oppressed and ignorant, you are not fighting in the
1: unseen war. Well, the other question I have is that They have been, the Luciferian system is a matriarchal system. The Mothers of Darkness have been the head of it for thousands of years. But yet they created for the rest of us, they've infiltrated and and messed with the Christianity and other religions, and they made women be subservient. And was that as they didn't want women to because they could they didn't want us to have a role because we could speak more i mean why was that
0: you only wanted they only wanted certain women to have control um the women who you know were aligned full-heartedly with the agenda of satan and were willing to you know invest everything to raise up the antichrist that's the women that they wanted involved all of the other women became assets to the company
1: well but but throughout christianity they purposely you know there's this idea of women being second to men being inferior and i don't know christianity really taught that but that's kind of what we've had to live under until recently that women were more of a second class, and some con- countries really still are in that mode and to me that's a false uh, it doesn't fit what with what they actually had up, set up from the it doesn 't fit what, how things should be anyways, obviously, but did they purposely do that to, to oppress us even more
0: um, I do believe it was a form of oppression um, i I believe that through it like you know, it really hit people emotionally. Satan likes to play these games where, you know, he will create division, strife, jealousy, envy. And, you know, what is one of the seven deadly sins? Envy. Um, so by creating this system that was run by women up to a certain point, you know, it, it took away the headship of men Um Part of that was to keep, you know, even the men in bondage and oppression. How can these men rise up with the authority that God's given them to be the heads of their households or the heads, you know, running the world um, if they're oppressed by these women who are over them and they're willingly submitting to that oppression, Um, you know, at the same point, it kept these men in a position of temptation and sin. Uh, the, the head women catered to that. They catered to these men's carnal desires, thus keeping them further in bondage. Uh,
1: but why did we, but it also oppressed women. It did. Yeah. Because women, you know, the Christ, the Christian women, if you will, were all, were very oppressed for thousands of years because they were taught that they were, N- didn't have a voice in society, and they couldn't do things, and they couldn't make a difference. They weren't of value,
0: and they used to believe though that that oppression was coming from men, when actually that oppression was coming from the higher matriarchal society. You know, really the women oppressing everything and committing crimes against other women, yet it was creating this atmosphere then where where women in the lower levels were, you know, fighting against the men thinking that the men are the ones causing that major oppression. And they weren't.
1: Well, and the other thing is if women were seen as equal, because they can access the spiritual world easier from what we've talked about before. Men can too, but just there tended to be more women. So it, it, it was a way to make sure they couldn't access that world and understand more what was going on right
0: yeah the hidden knowledge the forbidden knowledge you know was kept from women at the lower levels
1: is it is it um disinformation in the catholic bible or in the bibles christianity when it says that you should not talk to spirits when all spirits they say all are bad but that's not true there are positive Jesus is a spirit i mean you know the lord is a spirit there's good spirits angels are spirits so to tell everybody that they cannot speak to spirits and they need to not do any of that is that part of the infiltration and the disinformation that they've given to christians
0: um i don't know if i'd call it a disinformation campaign but um you get on very dangerous ground the the tendency just the natural human tendency is, you know, as you relate to these beings that um, may have more power or authority than you, um, you know, you're, you're drawn to worship or elevate or um, give glory or honor to those beings versus to the Lord. So, you know, that's at the heart of that is that, you know, you're drawn to worship those beings. That's the danger, whether they're angels or or demons. Oh, I see. Yeah. So, I mean, for me, like...
1: It's just to protect people when, in reality, it's not a sin to do this. It's just, be careful. You don't want to do this because you're going to view them different.
0: Yeah. You have to test the spirits because, you know, it is so easy to be deceived. You can't, you know, without testing, it could be, you know... a a demon, uh, parading as an angel of light. It could be Satan parading as an angel of light. And then you put yourself in a very vulnerable, bad position by communicating with that being, um,
1: but it's the same as just people,
0: right? right? I'm somebody who, who is, is so overly cautious. Like, you know, my angelic spirit or connections can be counted on one hand because, you know, I don't communicate with anybody but the Lord, because I, you know, because I saw so much misuse of that as a child. Um, you know, I mean, I give like, if I have an angel that all of a sudden is there to help me, it's like, I'm given the third degree, <laughs> you know, it's like, it's like, who sent you? Where are you from? What's your purpose? You know, um, declare to me that Jesus Christ is is your Lord and savior who came in the flesh and died for the sins of all mankind, you know? So, um, you know, you, just, I guess it, uh, to me it's just dangerous ground to be connecting. And yet we are part of that army, you know, the Lord's army has both angels and humans, you know, it, it's an interesting topic. It, it's, it's hard, right? It's topics. deep. Yeah, it is pretty deep. It's, you know our connections with these spirit beings, um, it is deep, and and there are there are good good, um, um, you know, and and those who are good usually you do know them. They are selfless, you know. They would never ask of anything. The Lord has made them to be ministering spirits to us. Um, so I've had that. I've had, you know, even this weekend when I had stuff going on, literally. I had five angels that all of a sudden surrounded me and literally I could feel their hands on me and they were praying over me and asking the Lord to protect me, to heal me. Um, you know, and I knew that was from the Lord. Um, you know, but there was nothing else that they were there. You know, they they weren't trying to directly talk with me or anything. I could just feel and knew their presence was there and and was comforted by that.
1: What else, as we close this out, do you think is... Well, no, I have another thing. What do you think about YouTube putting out the on Thanksgiving, the, it's on Thanksgiving Day? Hmm. And they put that out, and I, that that actually irritated me, and I uh, more than irritated me. I think it's hate speech towards our holiday that, that has a lot of deep meaning to it. I actually put out that it was on Twitter. They actually tweeted it out, and they had a video, and I said Twitter should should uh put take this post down for hate speech and then i also said youtube you are violating your own rules and that your channel should go down because of this according to your because this is hate speech and it you claim that you're not supposed to hate on other people's holidays and religions and that's what you're doing but they also said that it's because this represents you know for all the um american indians and it it, it, all the persecution that they've had and so forth and and they've completely warped the whole idea of this holiday it was the help that they gave and the 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 um lives that they saved but also in in many religions according uh, also christianity it's you're supposed to be giving thanks to everything that you have it's a much deeper meaning for people in this country so that's why i believe it's hate speech but and I also had uh, two American Indians say that we really believe in this holiday because of that, and they tweeted it out and retweeted my thing, and then they also quoted a, a Bible verse about Thanksgiving. And so, what are your thoughts? Why are you, why is YouTube doing that?
0: I think it would go to causing division and strife. Um, you know, the, the big thing that I notice with all of the push, you know, for I don't want to call it for racism but in a way they are pushing racism. Yes. By causing these divides by labeling yeah. you know black, white, Indian or not whereas you know I see as we're all just human beings why do we have to define by a label um, you know when people gather together and they you know are all pooling their resources for survival the natural tendency or or feeling is, is to be thankful for that. You're grateful when somebody comes alongside of you, encourages you and lifts you up. And, you know, that's what we really need to be focused on is that, you know, especially during this pandemic, you know, we need to be coming alongside of each other. It doesn't matter why or, you know, I don't do things just just to be able to say, oh, I helped a black person or, you exactly. know. Exactly. don't, you don't think even think. It doesn't even cross your like, mind. It's like, who's my neighbor? Who needs help? You know, in fact, I, you know, I was the person, there were some great, um, you know, I'm very involved with the, with the satanic communities. And, and these are not the individuals that are the same as, you know, the Luciferians that I grew up with. Okay. So I got to clarify that, that these are, they're good people they don't believe the same things I believe you know they are not christian they don't believe in god yet
1: they're they're good people,
0: and one of them
1: it's because they were hold on it 's because they were raised with that religion or,
0: well, no, or they chose it or they a lot of them have grown up Christian and were really hurt by Christianity and have now embraced you know the philosophy we were talking about actually earlier. You know, they've embraced Satan as this allegory for freedom and heroism and rebellion, you know, Um, and so that's what they, you know, what they believe. But one of them, she had this fantastic, I mean, it was so, you know, I mean, I'm I'm a chaplain. So, you know, my first thought when there's a crisis or something going on, I'm assessing, you know, what are the needs? How can we help? meet those needs. So this person came up with a tool that was just a great coordination tool and you know started the spreadsheet and she was like hey everybody why don't you like list the hospitals that are in your state and if you can call those hospitals and find out what do they need. You know do they need masks? Do they need protective gear? Like let's start these columns and just you know, let us know. And then if you help meet those needs, like, you know, let's check it off. So we know that that hospital doesn't have any needs. And then we can get people in different communities helping to meet those hospital needs or, or the different needs in the communities. And I was just like, you know, this is actually a brilliant tool, you know, so I had posted that out and about. And I mean, I had so much kickback from that. People were like, why are you promoting something that a Satanist has put out? And I'm sitting here like, does it matter at this point that the person is a Satanist? This is a great tool. Any hospital. That makes right? sense.
1: I just wish there was a different name. It's almost like we got to get rid of those labels because Satanists that represents all things evil in a lot of people's minds. So, I mean, to me it does. So I'm like, Oh my God, it's Satanist. But maybe there could be something that, cause cause Christianity to me represents, there are a lot of oppressive things. And that's why I brought that up and it, it's been, it's been really messed up. I, I really think that love and, and um, acceptance and all that stuff should not be so oppressive. It shouldn't feel oppressive. It should feel really, uh, you should feel freedom from that. But it does feel very oppressive. That's why I've had a hard time with it in my yeah, life instead too. instead
0: of labeling people with those names or, or by identifiers, we should simply know their name, you know, and be like, hey, I've got this friend, George, and this is what George is good at. This is why I'm connected to George, you know, like that's how we should be talking about each other.
1: Yeah. I, yeah, I, I just, I don't think I could ever declare myself a Satanist just because of what that represents right. to me. You know, like, oh my God, I know, I, but at the same time, I've always had a hard time with the oppressive feeling of, of probably because I grew up in the church and I saw a lot of things. And I, and I also um, got to see people who were very, who were so supposedly so religious, but they were like awful people, you know, I'm like, what? Why you're awful. This isn't the point of this. And so some of the, the the people that I met that, that claimed to be the the most devout Christians were not people I would ever that I, you know, so there were, and they probably were faking themselves. They just, they weren't who they, they were, they were always cared about controlling everybody else and making sure that this other person was good. So I always had a hard time with it. But the point is, is that if you really were in spirit, what it was all supposed to mean it should bring in freedom and and it shouldn't feel like you have this big weight on your back. But, but, but as we end this, what is it that you think is important for people to know at the moment? I wanted to talk about this on Thanksgiving because it was just so obvious hate. I'm like, oh my God, I'm starting to point out things that are hate speech and pointing it out because they're going after us that way. So I'm like, oh, I don't think so. I'm going to point out because I think the hate speech is really coming from the other side. We're, we're, we're trying to promote caring and love and, and helping people who are being hurt. And we're the ones being shut down. So it's so obvious this is backwards. And so I want to bring that up. But what is it that you um, think as we depart? That Because people are concerned. There's a lot of stress. This is a very hard time for many of us, all of us. I don't know anybody who's not affected by what's going on right now. So what is it that you want to share with people?
0: Yeah. You know, it really needs to be a time where we are, um, drawing near and encouraging each other. Um, I, that's probably the biggest thing I'm seeing people get hit with right now is that as things are progressing through the different phases, because of the uncertainty, uh, people are fearful. And, and that's a natural reaction when you don't know what to expect. Um, you know, it's, it's natural to have some sort of fear But they kind of allow that fear to overwhelm the hope, you know, in any situation um, when you're uncertain, you know, you have fear, you have hope and people are so focused on that fear and going down, you know, I guess it's down this deep, dark hole. They just keep going further and further down the hole that they forget that we have hope, we have encouragement. And these are the things we need to focus on. Um, you know, these are the things that as we, you know, change our our focus mentally, as we start to, um, you know, I don't know right the, what the right word is, but, you know, I would use the word think upon, like, that's where I start, you know, is in my mind, in my heart, I think upon the things, you know, what what hope do I have in this situation? You know, even if the worst of the worst happens, what hope do I have? And, you know, I have to think back through stories of different missionaries, martyrs, you know, people who lived through world war two, you know, how many of those people came forward afterwards and told their stories or, or talked about the miracles that they experienced or witnessed. Um, you know, even, individuals who I wouldn't classify as good, who helped in kinder transport, um, that there were over 200 children that they saved, you know, that were destined for death. Um, you know, you had stories like, you know, Corrie Boom, where, um, in the Polish, um, uh, what would you call it orphanage? You know, they had heard that the next day they were going to kill over Um, it was several hundred Jewish infants. And so she talked with one of the 12 year old boys that was in their kids club uh, that met weekly. And, and she said, you have, you and the other kids, like you have to steal these babies and bring them to us tonight. And so they, you know, she tells the story. They literally had the other, the older children in this orphanage snuck out they stole the babies and they delivered them to Corey and other individuals who were helping her that night. And they, from there, she said they literally just went to people's homes and dropped off these babies and were like, "This is now your child." And that was how they saved hundreds of Jewish babies. Um, so those those individuals are alive today.
1: But that's a great story. Suddenly you're there and like, here you go, here's baby, and you're like. Okay,
0: right, but I mean, I think it's miraculous <laughs> that these kids that yes, know, these other children in the orphanage, you know, basically stole these babies and got them got out of there, you know. So, um, it, it just shows that you know, things like that happen when we're open to you know, instead of saying there's a problem, I don't know what to do. Um, and now I'm fearful, and I'm stuck in this place, and I'm going to be worried and anxious and fearful. If we say, "Okay, here's the problem, what can I do?" You know, and, and that answer is going to be different for everybody, and not not being afraid to step out of the box to say, "Hey, there might be." something very odd God puts on my heart. Like, you know, I mean, I'm sure those kids were not expecting, you know, to be stealing babies, but but they did. And, um, you know, that saved lives the the people who, you know, it, it obviously was not their choice to accept those babies, but yet the babies were given and they ended up taking them in and, you know, and raise them up and those babies had life so
1: and we might be in those situations going forward we right? might be. I mean case- what's
0: what's going to happen with all these children you know we, we literally have you know kids that were who lived through disasters natural disasters lost their parents whether those parents really died in the disaster or were killed in the aftermath just so that you know the Black hats could have the children. We don't know. But think about that. I mean, how many children are there right now that don't have parents or relative or someplace they can go? You know, who is going to be responsible for those children? Who's going to give them life? Um, You know, we very well could be put in those situations where we're asked to step it up, you know, to help raise these children.
1: And we, we have to be ready for that, I think. Well, yeah. that. thank you so much for that. I think that's important that we have to be ready to step up. Definitely. So thank you so much. Until next time.
0: All right. Sounds good. Thank you, Sarah.